You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. You know, as, as I was, you'll have to forgive me, by the way, throughout this week, I've like, I've somehow lost my voice as this week has gone on, and at, and at all times, like right before a, a healing school. Like, and so, uh, and so, yes, um, so you will, you'll have to forgive me if my, thank you so much. Um, you'll have to forgive me if my voice is, is not what it normally is right now. But um, first off, I just want to thank all of you guys that you have, by you being here tonight, you each have taken a step of faith, whether you came here needing or wanting something tonight, or whether you came here just because you enjoy family, you enjoy corporate expressions of worship, um, regardless of the reason that you, that you came here tonight, um, we just want to honor the faith that you took to essentially, this is your out of the boat stepping onto the water moment. And it started when you walked through the, it actually, it started when you got into your car to start driving here this evening. Wherever you came from, whatever your, your church denomination or your church background is, that moment started for you when you got in your car and decided to come here tonight. And so it's important that you all feel honored with the faith that you have chosen to walk into this room with tonight and with the expectancy that you have in your hearts. And I want to say something, that there, there have been so many times, um, actually before I go into that, and I just want to say this, it's, it's important to me that I, um, I just want to honor the Revive the World pastoral team, and, and you guys here, the, the presence that you have hosted, and, and the presence that you have stewarded here. Um, my wife and I, and now my son, we have had um, and, and I, don't, I don't say this lightly, like I, I, oftentimes we can have a, a lot of language for things, but it's, it's very important that you know that there's lifestyle that backs the language. And uh, my wife and I have had some of our most profound encounters with the Lord in this room. Um, words that have revolutionized our lives, words that have changed the course of our marriage, words that have spoken into when my son wasn't even here yet, Words that were spoken that gave me the courage and the faith to believe the type of father that I was going to get to choose to be for my son. And being able to be in a room that believes in you and what that does to someone's heart and what it does to, when you know you walk into a room and it's like, man, I don't think I've ever been this believed in in my whole entire life. <laughs> and so it's just, I just want to make sure that I'm speaking for both my wife and I and our, and our son right now that we just honor the Revive team, anyone that calls this beautiful church home, and anyone that is willing to just say like, hey, Re Revive is my church family. Um, in full sincerity, my wife and I owe our lives to you. So just, just thank you. <clears throat> um, as I was thinking about tonight and, and, and preparing um, my heart for this, it was interesting that I just felt like I just kept getting this picture that was coming to mind of, Revive the world church of just this conversation existing around the throne of heaven about revive the world and about the people that are going to be here tonight. And I felt like I just heard the Lord saying, man, there are going to be some people in this room tonight. They have deep pockets. 
They have extremely deep pockets spiritually. And I feel like my only hope tonight in what I am, am bringing to you, my one desire is to give you a revelation of everything that you already know. Because the more that I know him and encounter him, the more that I'm aware that I know nothing about him. And I so badly need a revelation of everything that I know. <laughs> and every single time he, he turns his face again, like the, and there's these moments of where you come in to be into the secret place, whatever that looks like for you. There's, there's honestly, like there's, it's, it's, it's so much so about quality and not quantity. But these moments of where you come in to be with the Lord, and then it's like, and then, and maybe there's a couple of, of, of minutes where it's like you're, it's almost like you're kind of revving it up. Like you're, you're, you're trying to stir yourself up into intimacy and you're, you're trying to almost like, like it's, it's adrenaline that's trying to take you to the throne. But there's something that happens in these moments of when you come into the secret place and you come in to be before the Lord. And this is what the past year of my life has, has looked like recently of where I'll come in. And there used to be, um, I would have things, like sometimes a list, or I would have things on my, on my mind, or I would have things that were on my heart, and I was there in the room with Jesus to accomplish something. And, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a high achiever. Like I, I like to know that at the end of the day, or at the end of, of something that I'm doing, I, I like there to be like, hey, there was an end result for something that we did. Like I can look at this, and then report back to people, hey, here was, here was the fruit of the thing, whatever, whatever the thing is. I would really like to challenge this. This is a, this is a school of healing and miracles. This is a, so this is essentially a school celebrating the fruit of God. This is a school celebrating the fruit of God. But I would like to say something to you that you can be so caught up in the harvest, and you can be so caught up in the work of God and miss God entirely. And then that gets very dangerous because then you actually begin to get caught up into something that the Bible calls filthy rags, which is righteousness of your own accord. Works-based, adrenaline-motivated, striving to arrive Christianity rather than a lifestyle that is truly, like, and, and guys, like, I mean, I mean, really, like, this is, this is probably, like, the most important thing I could say to you tonight, that the Christian life is a life of divine rest into the embrace of the person named Jesus. I remember I was in these moments of where I came into my, the, the, the prayer room that Brandy and I have, and I was, and I remember I was being in there, and I just, I heard this phrase before the Lord of, son, you need to learn to lay with me in public before you ever think you can stand with me. You need to learn to lay with me in private before you ever think you can learn to stand for me in public. And it stopped me. And I don't think I prayed about anything for the rest of the time. <laughs> because there was this moment of where not only was the Lord convicting me and challenging me and correcting me, but he was also inviting me into further depths of intimacy so that I could have this secret life investment for a public place outpouring. And if there's going to be a public outpouring, there needs to be a private drinking. Amen. 
Because if I'm not privately drinking and then I go into a public outpouring, what happens to athletes when they are not dehydrated and they're not hydrated in the right way? They become inefficient. They become, they're dehydrated. They, they, they can't do the work. And so, sadly, there's a, there's a message that I hear on people's hearts. And by the way, this is, this is not saying this in, in defensive language. My, one of my favorite things in the world to do is, is to take risks and to step out and to pray for people and to, and especially with friends, it's so much more, like you want to have fun with friends, go to the mall on a Saturday night and just like, be like, hey, let's, let's just go pray for people. Like I'm, I'm being for real, like in, my, in the early days of my faith, a, a buddy of mine, it was my college roommate, we would go to the gym together and just pray like, hey, let's, let's pray that the Lord would put people on our paths and we would have the worst workouts in the world. We wouldn't get anything done because we'd start praying for people. <laughs> and like, People are like, you guys are going to the gym every day and you don't look like you're in any more shape. It's like, yeah, but we're getting spiritually jacked. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm not texting. I'm, I'm, I'm setting a timer. This is, this, is for, this is for you guys more than this is for me. Otherwise, we, we will be here all night. Here we go. Timer is set. That's just, that should have been set oh, a, a couple minutes ago. Um, where was I? Yes, I was, I, the, uh, I, was in, I was in this moment of where I came into uh, the prayer room that Brandy and I have, and I heard this phrase from the, from, from the Lord, that phrase, if you ever think you're ever going to be able to stand for me in public, you need to learn to lay with me in private. Guys, this past year for me has been um, things, my wife and I have been here now for, in Indianapolis for just a little about four and a half years. Um, we came here to pursue, um, we, we are here pursuing a, a ministry that my friend, like one of my, my, my closest friends and I started coming out of college together, and we literally came out here in faith to just go after starting this culture and this family. Um, and in that process, everything that I've thought, that, that, like everything that I thought I knew was the Lord just completely flipping it up on its head and just saying, we're taking this thing down to the studs, we're taking this thing down to the foundation, and we're going to rebuild everything. And even in the way that you pour out, you're going to start to do more on accident than you ever did on purpose. And can I tell you how offensive that that was to me? Because I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very high achiever. Like, even, even in my family, if you were to look at my family, like, there, there are people in my family that are just like, I mean, they are, they are go-getters. Like, they're, it's almost like everything that their hands go to, it's just like they're, they're just good at it. And it was interesting. I remember moving out here, getting ready to come out here. I remember explaining to friends and family what Brandy and I were leaving to come here. And they were like, like so you're, you're moving to a place. You don't even have a job. Your wife has a job. You don't even necessarily know what you're doing. Every time we ask you a question, you just keep saying, you don't know. <laughs> you don't even know how you're going to create a living for yourself. This was before Conrad is here. Don't you guys, don't you want to start having children? Don't you want to start a family? And all my answers to these questions was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But I know that I have a, <laughs> but I know that I have a word from the Lord. And when you have a word from the Lord, it changes everything. And when you have a word from the Lord, 
It changes the way that you pour yourself out and it changes the way that you're willing to give of yourself. Oftentimes when, I, when I'm playing drums, there was one time, I don't remember, this actually happened one time when I was in prayer. I wasn't playing drums and I remember I was, I was in prayer and I saw myself on this mountaintop and, I was, and as I was playing drums, every time I would hit cymbals, I was releasing angels that were ministering to people and, like, and depositing like what it was that they needed. And sometimes there's times, and I used to do this a lot when i um, when I first got out of school and my drums were set up at my mom and dad's house and I could play, I have literally the most incredible parents. It didn't matter what time it was, they would just like, they would just, they would let me play as long and as loud as I wanted to. My parents are saints, y'all like saints. Yes, yeah, and, and, and partially deaf now, yeah, so. I don't know if they're watching right now. I told my brother to watch on Facebook, so mom and dad, I, I love you guys. <laughs> And like they are, they are like just total saints for this. Um, and it, and and I, I share all of that because when I sit down at a drum set and I'm playing like that, and I, I just imagine that I'm releasing these ministering angels with every hit of the cymbals, with every hit of the like. I'm I'm not personally a worship leader, like obviously, but but to the heartbeat of God, I am a leader of that. To me, that's what the drums represent. And everyone tonight, I, I, I think that it's, it's important for us to realize that if you came here tonight, whether it's needing like physical healing, you're, you're, you're needing a miracle like that. That is, again, I already said, you're out of the boat, stepping onto the water moment happened when you got in your car and you decided to drive here tonight. And I'm just believing over you that blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be satisfied. And blessed are all of those that are hungry. It's interesting, ever since I, I first had, um, since ever since my, my wife and I had our son, had Conrad, um, I'll go in and like I'll be, I'll be changing him and like he's, he's laying down on, on his changing table and like, so like we're, we're getting him all changed, but it's one of the times, like I'm fairly tall, so it's like he's, he's right there, like at my level. And I'll look at him and Conrad got my wife's eyes like to, to the T, like, like Conrad, he, these big, beautiful eyes that when you stare into them, they tell you a whole entire life story. It's amazing. And I'll look into his eyes until I focus enough to where I can see his reflection in them. And I'll look at him and I'll tell him who it is that he is. And oftentimes it just starts to come out and how much I like, son, I love you. I love you. I love you. And, and I'll just start to, and, and oftentimes it's like, that's like all, all that's coming out of me just because I'm, I'm so caught up with who he is. I want to say something to that right now that I want to speak to this because I'm, I'm sensing a grace on it right now. I feel like maybe there's some of you in this room, and I don't want you to identify yourselves just yet. We're going to have a time for that afterwards. But I feel like there's some of you in here that have maybe been having this thought of God was speaking and now he's silent. Or God was speaking and all I only hear is just, is just the same phrase over and over again. He used, to, he used to speak in, in details and all this impressive rhythm and, and all these, like I, like I knew exactly what was happening. And it's maybe just the same phrase over and over again. I love you, I love you, I love you. And I want you to remember that it is not in the quantity, it's in the quality of what he's releasing. Because when I look at my son and I'm looking at him and I'm just saying, Conrad, I love you. I'm your father and I love you. I remember this happened to me last week. I don't, I, don't, I don't remember what I was doing with him exactly, but I remember when I heard it, and I heard the Lord say, I want the way that you love your son to prophesy to you the way that I'm wanting to love you. 
and I'm hanging on to that for a number of reasons is just because my son is going to grow up. One of my goals is him to grow up knowing how dearly loved he is by the Father. And because of that, when he goes, when he, when he grows up and starts doing this and he goes into his schools, and hopefully one day when he starts coming to the nations with me, and one day when he tells me, Dad, I'm going off to go do this, there will be such an investment of love that he has ate off of and fed off of. He's not going to go out into the world malnourished, needing the praise of man or, or, or counterfeits of the world to sustain and fill them because he has had the voice of a father speak the affirmation into him. So then because he's been filled with what has been spoken into him, he actually has something to pour out onto everyone else around him. And oftentimes what, what's so unfortunate if that weren't the case, we get into a place of where I begin, I feel like we begin to live our lives, especially if you're in ministry, this is the, the worst. Man, I've been in this place. Like this is the worst place to get into. But just life in general, you begin to live in life and in ministry out of memory rather than intimacy. And you begin to live in such a way of like where you, how you've seen other people do things. Or you begin to live off of other people's history instead of the deep roots that you've grown in the secret place, feeding off of what has been planted in an abiding nature in the secret place, living from there. By the way, when you go into the prayer closet, you don't ever actually have to leave because you're hidden in him. There's this unbelievable like spiritual reality. Sometimes I think about this of where I realize like I've actually been hidden into him. So I don't ever actually have to leave. He's a home that he invites you into. Sometimes I'll just imagine myself if, that like, if, if, if Jesus is this home that I've been invited into him and he has been invited into me, I'll just imagine we're just sitting around a coffee table together, just, just drinking coffee and, I'm just, and, we're, and we're sharing with each other the deepest longings and deepest things that are on our hearts. And ever so often he'll slide his hand across the table and I'll slide my hand over to his and it'll interlock with his perfectly and I can, you'll, you'll feel the, the calluses on his hands and the sweat on them of, 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 of the sheer desire and anxiousness and anticipation of him waiting for his own beloved to stretch his hand across that table to receive what he's offering. And it's these moments that you enter into in the secret place of where you're, you become so radically aware that he's there. Even your very breath becomes reverent to him. It's just, you're, even your very breath becomes slowed and stilled of just like, oh my gosh, he's here. And all of a sudden, you don't even care about accomplishing anything because your secret place time becomes about enjoying him rather than wanting to ever do anything for him. I'll never forget the day that I was, I was praying. I, was at the, the, I work at a church across town on, on the west side of, of Indianapolis, and I was in this, we have this old choir room that like no one goes into anymore, and it's perfect to go into. Um, I don't know if either people can hear me, and they're just not saying anything, and they're super freaked out, or the sound paneling in there works really great. No one has ever came and told me, like, dude, you need help. Like, I'm very aware of that. But the, I remember this moment of where I was praying through some, some things that were on my heart, and I just felt like I was just totally, like, missing the Lord. I, don't, I didn't know what it was. And there was a moment, probably about, like, my 40th pace around the room. I don't know what it was. I, I, I felt Holy Spirit speak into that moment and say, what if... Your prayer life, what if prayer is not for the purpose of accomplishing anything other than enjoying me? Again, another moment that I was completely offended by the grace of God. 
And can I tell you how radical that is to a life of someone that loves to step out, pray for people, lay hands on people, see the miraculous. It is normal. The Christian life looks like miracles, signs, and wonders. I would like that to go on the record, by the way. I would like it to be known that the Christian life looks like miracles, signs, and wonders. But, but, but personally, if you have miracles, signs, and wonders, and your secret place have cobs, has cobwebs growing on it, I really could care less about how many sick you've healed, how many dead you've raised, or how many backs, legs, or anything that you've seen touched or grown out. Because the most miraculous gift that you can first give away is first becoming love. And if love first conquers all things and overcomes all things, then we better become that. So that's what we're actually giving away when we go out in public. Because I'll tell you what, right now, it's, you, when, when I'm in the mall or in a store or doing something like that, no one's going to be impressed with my verbiage or how eloquently I can articulate something. No one's going to be impressed with... With, with, with how much I, scripture I can quote to them. They're going to care about the fact of, did they feel wooed by intimacy? I, I can't tell you how many people, there, there was a woman today, this, this was literally this, this morning, at a, or this afternoon at around 12, 12 p.m., was praying for a woman that came to our church to get groceries. She had pain all over her body, and, her, and the Lord began to touch the pain in her body. And I wasn't trying to be profound, I just told her, I just, I, I, I spoke some things over her that were like very unique for her individually and she just starts losing it. it. And like nothing profound had happened. It was just, it was very simple because the world is, is longing to know that the God that they think is mad at them is actually in love with them. So the best thing that you can do for yourselves is to keep this thing wildly and beautifully simple. How are we all doing? Is this, are we all good? with me actually I want to this I was supposed to do this at the beginning but it doesn't matter if you can um, I'm going to read this out of the passion translation I want to specifically read this out of here I want everyone in this room to repeat this after me this is in Psalm 103 if you want to mark it down I'm reading it out of the um out of the Passion Translation, because I, I, I really, really love the beautiful language that's attached to this. I want everyone in here, put your right hand over your heart and just shut your eyes. I'm only having you do this because right now, life does not matter about who is to the left or to the right of you, but to the face that is in front of, in front of you. And when you hold his face, he removes every hint of disgrace. I want everyone in here to just repeat this after me. With my whole heart, with my whole life, and with my innermost being, I bow in wonder and love before you, the holy God, Yahweh. You are my soul's celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness, the miracles of kindness. You've, done you've done for me. Get this one. This is about to go deep right here. You kissed my heart with forgiveness. Kissed my heart with forgiveness. In, spite In spite of all I've done. You've healed me, you've healed me. Inside, and out. inside and out from every disease, from every, 
stay in the place that you're in. That is not an opinion. That is a statement of truth. It is not talking about what can be or will be. It is talking about what is right now. This has happened in the spirit. This is how you exist right now. One more time. You've healed me inside and out from every disease. You've rescued me from hell and saved my life. You've crowned me with love and mercy. You satisfy my every desire with good things. You've supercharged my life so that I soar again like a flying eagle in the sky. Amen. Amen. When I, first, um, when I first gave my life to Jesus, I was in this ministry called Teen Challenge. And if, if some of you don't know about Teen Challenge, it's, I, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail about it, but Teen Challenge is essentially a discipleship program for men um, living in addiction and learning to overcome that. It was very, I, I can't remember how many times, and to honor him, I need to make sure I say this. The guy's name is George Martin. He's the executive director at Teen Challenge. He always used to tell me, it's like, I don't, I don't run a rehab for men. And he's like, I run a discipleship program for lost souls. He's like, and he, I remember he always used to look at me and say, I don't run a program to look at men and tell them who they aren't. I run a, I, I, I run a facility so that I can show men they're no longer sinners that need to be work, worked on, but men that need to come into the revelation of their royalty. <laughs> and I remember we would go to a church together before every service, it would start off with declaring Psalm 103 every Wednesday night. Every single Wednesday night started off declaring Psalm 103. I want to transition in, in this message with this really quick that personally, um, I believe any, and I am going to give you guys some, some practical information tonight. My disclaimer on this is that I, I, I have gone to Bible college, I've, I've, I've studied, I've had my nose in books, I've listened to countless hours of teaching in, in lectures and in classrooms, and, and, and some of it was awesome, some of it wasn't, but can I tell you something that the only time I began to notice real transformation in my life was when I started to take my, not, not, not my nose out of this book, nose out of textbooks, but I started to take my nose out of the books of information and put it onto the face of Jesus that was wanting to speak a better word. And so a lot of the things that I have for us tonight, um, a lot of the things that I have for us tonight is, if I could have a, a message of where all I teach are testimonies, that would be like my dream message. Like, literally, like, and, and I firmly believe that any information that I give you is going to be great, and, and hopefully you'll remember it, but I, if you're anything like me, tell me a story, and I will always remember that story. And I personally believe that testimonies are the best way to activate and equip people, because information may be information that just works for me, but as soon as I share with you a testimony and reveal the acts of God, the acts of God reveal the ways of God, and then you know the way that God behaves, and it gives you something to step into. The Israelites would have had a much shorter journey in the wilderness if they would have realized that the acts of God reveal the ways of God. 
the way that God acts, that he behaves, it reveals the way that he does things. And the only way that God knows how to do things is miraculously. So as soon as we realize that the only nature that God knows how to operate in is a miraculous one, and then yield to that, that alone will restore your hope. The only way, everyone repeat this with me, the, the only way that God knows how to operate is miraculously. I want everyone to say this right now. My hope is being restored just by sitting in here. My hope tonight is never going to be the same as what it was when I came in here. Because it's impossible for me to be in the presence of a miraculous God and not have that miraculous nature mess me up. And I'm telling you, some of you, and, and by the way, like disclaimer on this, some of you may think, like even if maybe you're in here tonight and your heart is, 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 is closed then closed, like boarded, buckled up, shut down, like your, your, your heart is like, I'm not open at all. Take this from someone that has years of investment of resistance to the name of Jesus and look how well that did for me. <laughs> no one is safe. And something tells me that if you are here tonight anyway, you came here hungry and you're here for a reason anyway. So, but I felt the need to give that disclaimer. Guys, I want to share with you this testimony. Um, that when, when we begin to talk about healing, I want to add this as, as a disclaimer um, from my life. Brandy and I have made a decision in, in our marriage that First and foremost, it is always God's will to heal. Um, I can give you theology as to why I believe that, but it kind of, I feel that you all aren't really here to hear me talk about theology. Um, so I honestly would rather save debating and arguing about something and just state something for how it is and allow my history to talk louder than my theological standpoints, if that's okay. If you have questions, or there's something that I say that it's like, I don't know how I feel about that. One of my favorite things to do is sit down and talk with people. I'm, I'm a huge people person. I'm especially a huge type of person that's like one-on-one. -on -one. I love that. Just come up and talk to me and, and ask questions. And make an agreement with me and within yourselves that you're going to choose to stay outside of the boat a little bit longer than maybe running back to it because things get sketchy or, 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 or quaky or, or like this is new territory for me. I don't understand this. I heard Randy Clark say this one time. There was more glory in Peter getting wet than the other disciples staying dry. <laughs> and so even if you're, a here if you're here tonight and you look foolish, it's all for the glory of God. I remember this moment of where, um, so my, I have a, a, a younger sister and an older brother. I'm smack dab in the middle of them. Middle children, we got to stick together, <laughs> keep, keep the fight alive. Um, and, my, and, I, and my brother and I grew up very close. Um, and I, I watched my brother just excel at everything that he ever did in life. Like just, it was almost like one of those things of he was the type of guy of like, 
Whatever he put his hands to, it just, it just happened. And I only ever knew my brother in this place and in this way of, of just of, of, of confidence, people looking at him, wanting to be him, the, the, um, the things that he would set himself to, I just was like, I just don't get it. Like this guy is just, this guy just seems invincible. And all of that changed for me on a night when my mom and dad, Brandy and I were dating at the time, like not, not a super long time. I think we, we were maybe six, seven months into our relationship. And, my, and she was at my house when this happened. I remember my mom and dad came into my room and said, hey, Josh never came home last night. Do you happen to know where Josh is? I was like, oh, I don't know. He's probably spent the night with a couple of friends. Like, just give him a call. Like, I don't know. He's like, just maybe, maybe he's out with some friends. And after probably about a dozen phone calls to his phone, we couldn't get a hold of him. Have no idea where he is. Have no idea what's going on with him. My brother is also a graduate of Teen Challenge Cincinnati that graduated not too long after I did. <clears throat> and my brother had been clean for years, years, like a very, very healthy track record of of accountability, having people in his life that were um, monitoring his progress, doing, doing very well. And I've shared these things with my brother, and I've shared these things with Josh, both publicly and privately. Josh is my brother's name, so I don't feel bad saying them here, because everything that I've shared with you is nothing that I haven't already shared publicly, or that he wouldn't be okay with me sharing. And my brother would tell you later on, that what he thinks he missed is the revelation of just how free he actually was and making it onto the other side of an overcoming lifestyle rather than a coping lifestyle. That's a different message for a different time, but I, I will just say this, that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And so, long story short, after a couple of hours of trying to figure out what had happened, we found out that my brother had... Um, an unbelievable drug overdose over four different types of drugs that sent him into a coma. We couldn't find where he is. We finally found him, found the hospital of where he was at. And it was, this was like, like seven days, five days before Christmas. And we, we were, I, was, I was home from school, and um, I, I, was, I was checking in with my brother every time I was home. And, um, and there were things that were changing, and I could tell. And this is something that I've, I've, I've done the necessary things that I felt like I've needed to do to, to ultimately forgive myself for this because I've looked back on it and seen things that I could have done differently and things that I could have stepped into. But when we found my brother, he was on life support, he was unresponsive, and the doctors gave a list of everything that my brother overdosed. It was ultimately an attempt to take his own life. And, I, and it was one of those moments in my life that I watched my mom and dad not react, but respond to the goodness of the Father. And in a hospital room of where doctors are kind of having the conversations of where they tell you, like, hey, you kind of, you, you need to get your affairs in order, you know, th those types of conversations. The doctors had no idea what type of parents they were talking to. <laughs> and the, doc the doctors are saying, hey, this is what's going on. There is no brain activity. He is done. Um, the drugs that he had overdosed on, um, one of them, he, they were like, he, he, he would have died from this one alone. And his, and his system is flushed. His kidneys are shot. There's, there's nothing going on here. Like, get your lives in order. Get everything in order of what you need to do for him. And my mom and dad said, well, can we, um, can you just give us a little bit? Like, can, can we just pray over him? Can we just pray over him? 
So this is an extremely long story, and I'm just going to give you the guts of it because what I really want to get to is the testimony. In that time, that started the process of my brother being in a coma for many, like many, many months, was just unresponsive in a coma. I remember he woke up one night at two in the morning, just snapped out of it as, as we, had, we literally, no exaggeration, no exaggeration, had thousands of people praying. Not, not hundreds, thousands, thousands of people praying. And Josh, at two o'clock in the morning, just decides to come out of this coma, out of nowhere. And as he woke up, that was the first victory that we saw, and we celebrated that. How many of you know in a process of healing, thankfulness better be your best friend? Because if I begin to make a theology out of the disappointments of what I don't see, I'll never be able to receive the breakthrough of what I'm hoping to see when the Father holds, holds it out because I'll be too blinded by my own disappointment and bitterness and ticked-offness at what hasn't happened. I'm not even able to actually have my arms free to receive what he wants to offer me. And I've seen, unfortunately, so many people robbed of, of, of breakthrough and healing because they can't get past their own selves. Sometimes if you have nothing to offer on the altar of sacrifice, put yourself up there and let the Lord kill you all over again to be a fragrant offering to him. Can I tell you how, like, and sorry to be so blatant with this, can I tell you how much it sucks to do that though? But at the same time, can I tell you how beautiful it is? Because God can do more with your death than he can with your life. He loves me, and he's wildly impressed with me, but he does not care what I bring to the table because he only desires to empty me so that he can fill me with all of himself and make me the unique expression that he pours out into the earth. Are we okay? Cool. And so as this is all happening, Josh comes out of this coma, and we begin to find out all of these different things with him. He was blind. His kidneys were shot. He may have come out of the coma, but like, guys, there's nothing going on. His voice was, it was, it was a, barely a whisper, and it was like, it was like a word a minute. Like nothing, like we're just like, oh, but, we're, but we're celebrating what is happening. We're celebrating the testimony, and we're documenting and hanging on to everything that is happening. And it started this process of us learning to celebrate what Jesus was doing in the moment and in the season. And, I, and I'll tell you right now, I will never forget. And guys, th these, th these were times of where I'm watching my parents pray in this. Like there's doctors all around us. I'm watching my parents pray in the spirit, warring for my brother's life, warring for who he is. I would come in. We all had shifts that we would take. My mom and dad, we would do like, we would literally do like four-hour shifts and constantly had people in the room praying. And I remember my mom and dad would come in and then Brandy and I and my sister would come in by the way, that was one of the moments that I knew. I remember looking at Brandy. We'd only been dating like a couple, a couple months, and I looked at her, and I just said, hey, this is like so wild and so insane. This is not what you signed up for. I understand if you just, like if this is done, like this is a lot for anyone to handle. Like no one should ever have to sign up for this. Like, like no guilt, no strings attached. If you just need to leave, like, and you just need to call this done, <coughs> then like please, like we, we are good. And I'll never forget, she looked at me and she said, I'm not going anywhere and I'm going to believe God for you and I'm going to believe God with you. And that was one of the first moments that I realized, I don't care where this woman goes, I will follow her anywhere.
But I remember watching as my parents would pray in the Spirit over him. We would read Scripture over him. So fast forward to one of my favorite testimonies. I remember coming in one day, and my brother was on a artificial, <coughs> excuse me, an artificial kidney support machine. And one of the things that the doctor said was that he didn't have like functioning kidneys. They were completely gone, completely blown out. He came, they, the doctors came in one day and his body was rejecting like the, the blood that it was supposed to be pumping into it. They're like, this is strange. Like his body's supposed to be receiving it, not rejecting it. Detached him from the machine and his body just starts functioning normally. And they're like, what in the world? They ran all these tests and he had two brand new kidneys of a 21 year old. I remember my dad coming in and he's like, what are you doing? Like he, and they're like, no, you don't understand. Like his body's rejecting it. We, re like we, don't, we don't know what to call this, but he has two brand new kidneys. <laughs> just, just they were, they were not there and now they're there. It was one, for me personally, it was one of the first creative miracles I've ever seen. <clears throat> Man, I'm sorry, y'all. <clears throat> and I remember in that, in that moment, when you begin to get a taste of hope and you hang on to that, because hope deferred truly does make the heart sick. And honestly, I know what it's like to contend for, and, and I'll be honest, like as my brother, he's still in a wheelchair. He still has things that are not all the way right. I try to go up to Chicago and see my parents and, and visit with him often and participate in the things that he's doing. And like there's, there's things that he's doing and overcoming him. But I'm telling you right now, I've never watched my parents, I've never watched my family settle for anything less than abundant life for him. Because what we refuse to do, and as Christ followers, what we need to refuse to do is redefine our definition of the goodness of God on the altar of human reasoning so that we can have an answer for a seemingly unanswered prayer. When I attempt to redefine the nature of a good God based off of what I haven't seen, not only do I forfeit myself from what I can see, but I cut myself off from actually being able to be in a place to receive from him. And I'm not saying that he won't just do it sovereignly. I've seen people totally shut down and, and just burned out from hurt, praying for something that didn't happen. And then the Lord just came in and just, like, just crashed it open. But I'm talking about a healthy heart, heart posture here. There was one of these moments of when we began to see all these things of breakthrough with my brother. And this was a, a very big teaching moment for me. It was a moment of where my brother had kind of plateaued. And by the way, praise God, he's doing amazing today. He'll send me videos of he's like leg pressing like 300 pounds. And, and he's, he's doing assisted walking up out of his wheelchair and learning how to do all of these amazing things. And, like, and the dude's hilarious. Like he's like, it's just, it's absolutely amazing after doctors looked at my mom and dad and say, not only is he never going to live, if he does decide to wake back up, he will be a vegetable for the rest. He will live from a hospital bed the rest of his life. And he's <clears throat> having fun, laughing, living life. Thank you. And he's, he's having fun, living life, doing all these things that doctors said that he would never do. And just to be very vulnerable with you for a minute, I remember there was one day of where my, my brother's progress had kind of plateaued. 
And I remember I was at school, and the school of where I was at was not too far away from the facility that he was in. And um, I remember I got really frustrated one day, and I got into this place of where I took my eyes off of what the Lord was doing, and I got very annoyed at what I wasn't seeing happen. My brother has been my, has, has been someone that, not just a brother, but a friend throughout the years, and I just, I wanted time with my friend back, and I, get, and I got so angry. I remember I got into my car, and I'm driving over to the facility of where he's being kept, and I'm angry the whole entire way as I'm driving. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not happy, I'm, I'm bitter, I'm upset, and at this point, I'm seeing and hearing testimonies people getting up out of wheelchairs, people being healed mentally, like these supernatural things. And I'm watching my brother groan and cry out for this. And I literally like march into his room of where he's at and I shut the door and I looked at him and I just said, hey man, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put you in your wheelchair and I'm praying for you and I'm not gonna leave until we're walking out of here together. I was, and, but like, and I know that that sounds very like, yeah, like the righteous are as bold as lions, but like I was so angry. I was so upset. My heart was, was in a place of, God, you're not kind. You don't give good gifts. Psalm 103 isn't true, and I'm going to do this. <clears throat> and I remember in that moment, I don't know how long I was in that. I remember calling my mom after, and I just was like, dude, I don't know what happened. I had so much faith. I was so full of faith, like, what the heck? Like, why didn't it work? Like, what happened? Why couldn't I do it? There's something wrong with that statement that I even just said. Miracle signs and wonders should be the easiest part of our lives because we're not the ones that do them. And we should never pursue miracle signs and wonders because they should naturally follow our life. Tony shared that at the very beginning as we were getting ready to go into worship with music. And guys, can I be very honest with you? I left that room. My brother wasn't healed. From what I saw in that moment, nothing was different. And I sat back in my car and was so angry and was so disappointed at what I didn't see. And in that moment, and, th and this, by the way, is at a time I'm at a Christian college that was a um, very cessationist school. And at this point, like word had gotten out, like what me and my friends liked to do when we would go to the gym or we would go to the Walmart in the area. Like word had gotten out what we like to do in our spare time. Super side note, my, my old college roommate used to pray for room numbers in our floor and go to them and get the room numbers <clears throat> in a word of knowledge and go tell them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and kids were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit in their dorm rooms. And, like, and he would literally be like, he'd be like, room 303, let's go. <laughs> like, I, I'd come in from dinner, and he's, like, walking around the hallways, 316, okay, there you are. And, like, he was going in. Like, and at first, he was just doing it by himself. And I'm like, dude, bring me, bring me along on these adventures. And it, it was so funny. So word had kind of gotten out that, like, hey, these guys are super weird. <clears throat> and I was okay with that. And, but at this moment... I'm going into a classes, literally listening about why God doesn't heal anymore and why you shouldn't get your hopes up. And that we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. But because there's a 
individual and person of this Godhead that we may not understand, we reject him. To reject one person of the Godhead is to blaspheme the whole thing. And the fear of the Lord needs to be on us to have reverence for the whole union of the Trinity and the way that we have been grafted into that. And personally, I don't ever want to read the Bible apart from the Holy Spirit because, yeah, right, like I think I'm ever going to understand it in the first place. Or preach without it, or talk without it, or step out without it. You truly do live and move and have your being in him. I get in my car, I'm angry, I didn't see what I thought I was going to see after praying for my brother, and all the things that my professors, students, other people are saying are just ringing in my ears. Man, maybe, maybe he's not as good as what he says. Or the worst place that I got into, I went very introspective. Well, maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe there's something wrong with me. So I began to inspect my life for, and I began to go into sin management and behavior management because I was trying to gain something from God that he was holding out freely. First thing that I want to point out is that God's healing is a gift. And I just would like to say this, and, and again, have the conversation with me. Everything that, I, and this is, I'm, I'm speaking from where I'm at, what I know, and what I have learned right now. When you became a new creation, you were brought into the standing of being healed tridimensionally, body, soul, and spirit. Open up to, with me with Matthew 9, 21 through 22. We're going to read through these fairly quickly because I actually don't even know how much time I have. And... Um, and I've already been talking for 40 minutes, so I, I probably need to start to wrap this up soon. I know it's a Friday night, but we want all of you to be back here for the morning session, and I want to honor your time for how you've chosen to come out here tonight. But let's move through these fairly quickly. Matthew 9, 21 through 22. I should probably turn there myself rather than just say it. I don't always, I don't like to normally read from my phone, by the way, so forgive me that I'm doing it, but it's just for the, for the sake of moving through these, I'm doing it. Matthew 9, 21 through 22. For she thought, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well, or other translations may say, your faith has made you whole. And the woman was healed at that moment. The word I want you to focus on there is whole. Go now to Matthew 24, 13 through 14. Matthew 24, 13 through 14. But the one who endures to the end is the one who will be saved. The, this gospel of the kingdom shall be, shall be preached in the, in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. The word that I want you to focus on there is the word saved. Go with me to Mark chapter 5, 22 through 23. Mark 5, 22 through 23. Why are we reading it like this? We are attacking our belief systems right now with truth. We're going to go after this thing. Then a leader of the, whoops, I want to read it in different translation. 
And, the, and one of the synagogue officials named Jairus came and upon seeing him fell at his feet, Jesus, and pleaded with him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so, she, so, she that, will, so that she will get well and live. Or other translations may say, so that she may be saved and lived and live. Focus on the word, the word saved there. Go with me to Mark 10, 46 through 52, Mark 10. Why am I reading all this to you? You'll see in a minute, but it's important that you know how often the Lord points this out in scripture. Mark 10, 46 through 52. Then they came to Jericho, and later as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a larger crowd, a beggar who was blind named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And when he heard that it was the Jesus of, of the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many, many were sternly telling him to be quiet, verse 48, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the man who was blind saying to him, take courage, stand up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And replying to him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the man who was blind said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well, or your faith has made you whole. I want to point something out to you. <clears throat> out of all those scriptures that we read, Matthew 9, the word whole, Matthew 24, the word saved, Mark 5, the word healed, Mark 10, the word whole. Mark 5, the word healed. All of those are the Greek word sozo, which literally means to be healed, set free, delivered, and preserved from all harm. It's a word that bypasses the natural and speaks directly to your spiritual nature of who you actually are. Jesus desires to heal you tridimensionally. And he desires for you to live in such a way that you have abundant life in all things. If it doesn't look like abundant life, then it's not what the Lord has for you. And I would like to point this out that when we begin to live with certain things that we need healing from, it's very important that we renew our minds with this truth right here. Doctors are trained to give you the truth. They get fired if they didn't. They have to tell you the truth of what is happening. God, or the, the, the fact of what is happening, excuse me. Doctors have to give you the fact of what's happening. They would get fired if they weren't. But truth overrides fact any day of the week. And the truth of the matter is that when the Lord says, hey, your brother's dead and he's never going to live again, and then they're getting pictures or seeing them on Facebook of everything that he's doing, and they say that they can't explain it, my family and I just look at each other and say, we totally can. <laughs> this word sozo is important for us to remember for a number of different things because this language and the way that it's used in scripture here, it's not used in past or present, or it's not used in past or future tense. The language and the verbiage is all present, meaning it's right now. It's a right now word. I'll never forget one of the biggest lessons that I've learned at a church that I'm at right now that wouldn't necessarily believe some of these things that I'm thinking. 
I'll never forget this happened recently. Over, I went out of a meeting that I was discouraged about what something said and where I used to get frustrated and, and just say, if they would just see it the way that I'm trying to say it, they would just totally understand. They're just missing it by this much. And the Lord told me, do you think I care about you being right? Do you think I need you to be right and the right person in the room for me to capture their hearts? If you haven't prayed for them in private, then don't think that you can ever talk about them in public. Do you know how much, and this is, this is the conversation I'm having, still going. Do you know how much my heart grieves for them to see people living in less than what I paid for? Talk about a convicting word. I know that this, isn't, this wouldn't actually happen. Thankfully, the Lord is so much more tender and gentle and kind than this. So this is not theologically accurate. This is just Matt General's example and personal opinion. I would hate to get to heaven one day. I would hate to get to heaven one day and walk with angels or some of the, the people that I'm waiting to walk with. And I'm going to ask John, I would hate to lean over to John and say, hey, so what was it like to be like Jesus's right hand man? What was it like to have Jesus in your very midst? I would hate for him to turn and look at me and say, what was it like for him to live in you and you did nothing with it? And I share that because when we go into the secret place, we open up that well for what is so that it can come out, so that it can become who it is that we are. And when it becomes who it is that we actually are, we can point, pour it out for the world and give them something to become. Is this making sense? I'll never forget. I was walking into um, the mall one time and um, I'm in the food court waiting for Brandy to, to use the restroom and I'm standing there and there's this guy right behind me and he's in crutches. He's got like the boot on, the whole thing. And I've gotten to a point now of when we realize every single one of you right now, if you're born again and you're in this room, you're citizens of heaven. So you come from the home country, that is heaven. You're ambassadors of that kingdom sent on assignment. So your, your home is heaven. I've got a really corny dad joke to that, but I, and dad jokes are for me now because I am one, so it's like <clears throat> my grace is growing every day in that, but I won't go into it. But the home country is heaven. All of you are from there. So when you go into a public place, you are carrying the very aroma and atmosphere of the home country in heaven. So when you see something that doesn't belong in the home country of heaven, it's, you should look at it and say, in my world where I come from, that does not belong a person's cast, a person's crutches, or sometimes you just see it on someone. This woman that I was telling you about today, she came to pick up food. I took one look at her and just went, oh my gosh, like who has hurt you? Like let me hold you. Like let me just hug you. Like who hurt you? You can just see it on people sometimes. So I turn around and I ask this guy, hey dude, what happened to your leg? And now I don't remember him, him what happened. It was like a sports injury Hey, I already got the surgery though, so I'm good. It's kind of in the healing phase, but, it's, but I still, I can't put any weight on it. Even with the boot, it hurts. That's, that's why it's still wrapped up to compress it and everything. But I'm an athlete and it's just like, it's just totally crippled me. And I just told him we're in this food court of this mall and he's with two friends and both, and both of these girls, like, I don't know if they were sisters or just friends, but they're like not having it. They're like, just like, yeah, dude, like do your thing. And I just said, well, hey, man, I just believe that because of how much Jesus loves you, that he just wants to heal you right now. Can I pray for you? Yeah, man, like, whatever. Do your thing. You can, you can try. I pray for him. And after I think about, like, two prayers, 
he looks at me and says some words that I, I can't repeat here. I won't repeat here. And he just and he hands the crutches off to the side and just starts walking around like totally normal. And, and what's great are his two sisters literally get up and just say, okay, it's our, like we, we want to try now. Like we, we want to try now. And then other people, they started to line up for prayer in a mall food court. <laughs> and all, all of a sudden there's like, like Brandy comes out and I, like, and I remember this is early on. I'm just like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. And this was like early, like, and it, so it was just, and I just remembered it was so funny because them seeing the miraculous representation of God invited them to come into something. I saw that dude later in the mall as we were leaving and he had his crutches under his arm and he was just walking out, walking around. And both of his two friends got words from the Lord that totally, I just remember in their moment, left them unbelievably seen, known, loved, and celebrated. And it's important to realize that when you're filled with wonder-working, mighty power, first thing, it's not okay to move in power and be cold-hearted. That's why we need to become love first. Because nothing is, is, is less impressive than someone that can do the same things that Jesus did and their heart is so cold and so detached from affection and from love that it's just like you felt, feel like you just got prayed for by a ghost and it doesn't even matter. It's not okay to move in power and not have love that accompanies it. Because every single time Jesus prayed for someone, it left them feeling seen, known, loved, and celebrated. And how do I know that? Because most stories point out they ran back to where they were from and told about everything that Jesus had done for them. You don't do that if you're not excited. You don't do that unless it rocked you. I remember another time, Brandy and I are pumping gas. I'm at this gas pump. I'm not praying. I'm not worshiping. But in that moment, all I was focused on, literally, this is actually one of my favorite testimonies because of what it taught me in the moment. This began the process of when I began to learn about being a good receiver from God and that God really cares more about who I am with him rather than what it is that I do for him. And this was kind of the starting process of this whole thing. So I'm meditating on this truth and I'm meditating on the truth of what it means to consume Jesus and drink Jesus, what it means to be one with him. And I'm just pumping gas, just practicing meditating and renewing my mind on, man, I'm, I'm one with him. I couldn't be more one with him than I am right now. He's the, he, he, he is the, he's the fresh bread in my mouth. He's the blood in my veins, and I couldn't be more one with him than I am right now. My gas pump goes off, and I start walking into the gas station to, to pay. And as soon as I walk in, and I'm, I'm not trying, I'm not in a mode of, like, hey, what's a word or a prophetic word for this person? I'm just living. I'm just kind of being. And as soon as I walked in, the Lord gave me a word about a dude's back and a girl's stomach. And I ended up praying for both of them. Both of them got healed and touched from the Lord and was able to just have incredible conversations with them. But it was so funny. When I walked out of there, I was like, Lord, I wasn't even, I didn't even ask you about that. Like, I wasn't asking for a word about these two people. But both of them just got touched. Both of them just heard the gospel. And in that moment, who knows now, but like they, they didn't make a chance. They did, they didn't, they did decide not to, not to repent in that moment. But I was like, they got to hear the gospel. I wasn't even trying to hear that. How, how is it that that just happened and I just walked in? And I'll never forget the Lord just, just super simply 
was just like all that you were focusing on was being a good receiver, and you released what it was that you were receiving. It's, it's that easy, and it's that simple. I want to wrap this up here, and then um, I would intentionally like to want to do an activation, and then at the very end, um, if there's a, a prayer team present, um, just invite them forward and just, just open up the, these altars. But um, I want to explain this for a minute, that miracles bring a responsibility for the way that you live. And I want to say that for a minute because I, I, I've heard um, a friend of mine teach on this so beautifully, but miracles come in such a way that you are then responsible for readjusting and realigning your life so that you begin to think in such a way that the impossible is logical. And guys, can I just tell you, at times, that may not be the most popular thing. That may not be the most celebrated thing. And, and the reason as to why this part is important is if I don't learn to be so secure in the secret place, when I go into the public place and I am rejected, it will shake and rock me to my core of where I, I, I may never even step out ever again. I could teach a super personal, this whole thing is personal, but I could teach a super personal message on that topic right there. And when you see the miracle working power of God, I would honestly even say to you, you, you owe God your trust. You are indebted to him to think different. And that's not like some weird, like, it, like honestly, you'll find that it just naturally happens anyway. But when I'm sitting in a room, and I'm not talking about, being, if you're weird for the sake of being weird, then that's not okay. But sometimes God does do things that are, that like I just have no grid for. But there have been times, especially within the past year and a half, and thankfully, it's gone down very well. I've been sitting in, in, in meetings where they're talking about someone needing healing. And I'll ask the Lord permission, which you always have a green light. And I don't have enough time to go into like everything behind this with, with the people that are in this room. But I'll just be like, Lord, do, can, I, can I just have, have permission to, to step out into this? And I'll just tell the room of the people that I'm, that I'm working with hey, what if we didn't ask God to heal them? What if we just, what if we just believe for it? Yeah. And I remember in the church that I'm in right now, I remember one of the first testimonies I celebrated with our team was a guy that came forward. He had something in his heart. It was like a false valve that was, I don't know the medical terms, he had a false valve of where it would open. Like it was allowing blood to pump through because something was wrong, that too much blood was coming through. It would speed, like it was gonna give the guy a heart attack. He was gonna die. So he had a false valve, and then they were going in to go correct it. We prayed for him. He went to the hospital, and they said when they, when they, when they cut him open, that the testimony came back that his heart was just, it was just good. Like, it was, like there was no more valve, like the heart was just totally normal. And this happened in a church where we all looked at each other, and they were just like, how does, how does this happen? And there's no room, nothing but to believe than the miracle mighty working power of God. But 
when you see the acts of God, you are responsible for the ways that he wants to do things moving forward. And so I'm saying this as a commissioning and as a charge to us, that when God pours something out, one, he doesn't pour it out in a way that like, he, of, of what he knows we, we, we can't handle. But when he pours himself out, he will expand our grace to be able to steward that. But I want all of us to leave here tonight knowing that when God does something, I'm now responsible for the testimony that I know. I'm responsible for the person that calls me for prayer when they're, they're believing for a miracle. I'm responsible for my wife and I when we've been laying in bed for I don't know how many years now and she looks at me and says like, hey, let's, let's pray over my eyes again and I haven't seen it yet, but I'm gonna continue to believe for it after I have seen blind eyes open and, or, or even like bad vision just made better. I'm responsible for what it is that I've seen. I'm responsible for when I see my brother for the hundredth time and I bend over to give him a hug in his wheelchair rather than standing up, I'm responsible to say, I haven't seen it, but I know who you are and I know what you're going to do and I refuse to sacrifice on the altar of human reasoning what I know to be true about you. And so at a healing and miracle school, it's important, I'm asking you guys a couple things to celebrate what it is that you're seeing and what you have seen. Thanksgiving, thankfulness, better be your best friend. Second thing, your private life, your private intimacy, better be way more vibrant than your public life ever is. Because as much as the Lord loves having fun out in public, I believe that he grieves when his chest grows cold from the place that we've lifted our heads off from where it used to rest once on first love. And now we've become enamored with doing the things for him rather than him being the one thing that is ultimately done to us. Let us not be people that forsake first love so that we can ride the wave on something that is happening. God is more concerned in crashing in on you and being the wave that washes you rather than being you catching the wave of some new thing that's happening. I can't tell you how much I'm learning. Like that statement may sound like a one-liner. It's a personal conviction that's messing me up so badly right now and humbling me and convicting me and having the Lord look at me and say, dude, why is it so important for you to see this or know this or have this person think, think this about you? Why would you spend time grieving over the one thing that someone didn't say about you over the grains of sand of thoughts that I have for you on the earth? Like I can't tell you how important this is. So here's what I would, are we all good, by the way? Okay. So here's what I'd like to do right now. Um, Sam, can you, yeah, I want to, so I'm, we're going to do this in a strategic way, and I want to, I always like to explain this when I do this, because oftentimes, I just want to make sure we always know why it is we're doing something a certain way. Um, there are, I've never taught on this before, and I would love to, but, and sometime I need to, but. Um, Brandy and I love talking about this. There are seven Hebrew words of praise, like there are different forms of praise. If you didn't know, like all the things we do in worship, the thrusting forth of hands, um, uh, like stringed instruments, guitars, drums, like there's actually seven Hebrew words of praise that encompass this whole thing of what like praise and worship is. And it's, it's wildly prophetic. It's, it's phenomenal. One of those words is zamar. Everyone in here says zamar. Zamar 
is a praise of sacrifice and, 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 and spontaneous, by the way, on the stringed instruments. The, most, most of the times, the, the first place that we see this in the word is when uh, King Saul comes to his servant David at the time and is tormented by demons and is needing healing. He's needing sozo in his body. And he comes to David asking him for a Zamar praise, a prophetic praise on the stringed instruments. And when it would go forth, not only would it release healing to people, but it would begin to heal Saul tridimensionally. Like it would begin to heal his spirit and his soul and it would, and it would still the demons that were tormenting him. Is this making sense? I told you guys um, at the beginning of this message, I was, and, I, and, I, and I did, I shared some of my favorite ones, the ones that I felt like I had permission and that naturally came to my mind to release at this time. But more time, but, but more than anything, and I hope that it came through, this is really a message on being a good receiver and living life in a lifestyle of receptivity to the Lord and living life as a branch constantly connected to the vine. I'm not the first person to say this, but I love the visual. You don't walk through an apple orchard hearing a bunch of apples screaming out, trying to become apples. <laughs> like they're not, they're not groaning and flexing it out and freaking out. Like they're just, they're naturally becoming the byproduct of what they're connected to. <laughs> I'm also learning a whole lot about vulnerability in this season because for reasons that I don't have the time to go into right now, vulnerability is a huge stretch for me. And so I'm going to practice that with you all right now um, and read something to you. Um, but here's what I wanna do right now. As Sam is offering a, a Zamar praise, a praise on the stringed instruments right now, I just want you all to get into a place of receiving. And first in the natural, I, I want you to do whatever that looks like for you. Don't let me tell you what it looks like, but I just want you to, if it's laying on your face, if it's just sitting where you are, if it's standing, if you need, if you need to like pace and walk around, then, then do that. But I do wanna ask that each person would close their eyes. And this is to eliminate the distraction because the least important thing right now is for you to be looking at me or your neighbor. Also, if we can, um, just so that I don't ruin it when we're when we're ruin the moment when we're in it. Um, the altar team, if you guys could just have yourselves ready, just keep your ears perked up. Um, here's what I don't want to do right now: the overflowing lifestyle of miracles happens through the vessel of a heart that is in love. And truthfully, I have seen more things happen on accident, not, not trying to, when I was just focused on consuming him, eating him, receiving him well, living from his chest, living from his embrace. And, I, and, I, and I'm learning, and man, I'm, I'm, I'm a very slow learner. But praise God, that means he gets to be detail-oriented with me. Um, 
that when we leave his chest from where we are our very best, it's there that we begin to strive into a place that cannot keep us. So I'm going to read this over you all. Because before we want to go out into the streets and 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 by the way, I I, I know how like to have these moments of where we could. Actually, I'm not even going to go there right now. This is just this is the most important thing that we could be doing right now. Well, you didn't really give me a whole lot of practical advice for what to do when I leave here. You didn't really give me a whole lot of practical insight for how to behave when I leave here. Guys, I'm, I'm telling you, when you focus on becoming a good receiver of the love of the Lord, it's like going out on a date with a wife or a girlfriend or a husband or a best friend, coffee, dinner, or whatever, and you're just naturally like loving on each other. And, it, and there's public displays of affection all that a lifestyle of miracles is, is is a lifestyle of public displays of affection. Of affection that has been developed in secret that's accidentally beginning to pour itself over in public. When, when my wife and I are on a date and walking around, I'm, I'm, I'm learning to even be more intentional with this, but I'm not gonna, like maybe in some ways, but like I'm not, I'm not gonna be different with her in public than I would be in private, like I want her to know, like, hey, I'm gonna hold your hand, put my arm around you, kiss you, like do all these things with you in, in, in public that I would in private because it's, it's the natural overflow of the expression of my heart to you. So right now, as you sit here, we're gonna do something right now. And if you came in here needing, like, hey, I, I need healing in this. Like I, I came here, I'm in need of a miracle. Or I came here needing sozo. First thing I want to pray is I'm amazed at how much I've learned that the kingdom of God is actually discovering what it is that I already have under the blood of Jesus. And then I receive as inheritance. And through my authority as a son, I use that authority to receive as his bride everything that he's actually already given me rather than something I have to think I have to go do mental gymnastics for to earn it. So right now in this moment, I'm gonna pray a quick prayer to just activate your minds. But in the way that you need to, I want you, I'm asking you right now. I know that I've been talking a long time. I'm asking you to give me like just 10 more minutes and be intentional with this. This is literally the most important thing you could do right now. Like no games right now. Jesus, I pray over the mind of every single person here and I command disqualifying thoughts to leave people right now in Jesus' name. Well, I've been praying for this many people and I haven't seen it. Do you know how long I've been dealing with this? Like enough with that garbage. Jesus, thank you that your acts reveal your ways. Come against unbelief in this room right now. We come against the lie that says, because I've been trying for so long, I'm unworthy of the Father's love because if I was worthy of his love, my breakthrough would be here by now. And I also come against 
the false theological one-liner statements that are spoken to try to make us feel better about ourselves, but are really just giving us permission to remain in a place of unbelief. Well, it was, it was God's timing to take them early. I'm sorry, it's just not your night. You weren't the seventh person in the fire tunnel, so the fire just didn't really fall on you. And I declare over each person in here that they're one, they couldn't be more one with you than what they are right now. Oneness is the reality of the new covenant. And let us be a people that step through and stop living on the Old Testament side of a New Testament torn veil. In Jesus' name. And here's what I want you to do right now. With every eye closed, not looking at me, I want you to start with the eyes of Jesus. Don't focus about the surrounding, just start with the eyes. This is for every single person in here right now. Start with his eyes. What do they look like to you? Don't rush it. He's not in a hurry. Don't force it. eyes look like? Move from those eyes now to looking at the whole face. Maybe you're starting to see some, some hair develop in the picture, his ears, his beard, the rosiness of his cheeks. Maybe you're even starting to smell something, the, the very scent of the, of the bridegroom right before you. Maybe he's holding out his hands to you to put both of them into his as he clutches them and brings them to his chest. But don't rush it and just look at him. This is our savior, look at him. Is he weeping with the anticipation of your heart that's waiting to be captivated by love again for the first time? Maybe he's pointing to your chest and pointing at your heart, at a gaping hole that's there, at a space that has been occupied by disappointment and false expectations that he's saying, I, I promise I'm better than what you think. May I please fill that area? But just look at him and see him rightly. If we want on earth what's happening in heaven, then we better start doing what it is that they're doing in heaven and start looking at him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. With every turn of his face, holy, another part of him that I've never known, never seen before. very chest against my breast, you will find true rest. As you feel your breathing begin to slow as a true result of you going and living low, 
there is no anxiousness or pressure in this place when you're held by my beautiful grace. My face is the answer, and believe it or not, what your soul is actually searching for. As you bring yourself to me, you will discover there is no need for anything more. Let me wash you with my tears of delight and joy, my dearest precious one, as I see your head upon me. Wow, do you truly know how you move me? Open up your eyes and see that all other lovers are false and dead and nothing can compare to eating me the true bread. Jesus, give us single eyes to stare longingly and lovingly at your beautiful face where we find that there is no hurry in this place, where you move every hint of disgrace where you end the race of striving to arrive at a place that we can never hope to inhabit by ourselves because we are called to be one with you. Jesus, there's a world that is right now, currently on its way right now, there's someone using drugs for the first or 100th time. Someone is gonna die of an overdose tonight. Someone is a young woman is gonna make a decision with her body tonight because no one has ever looked at her and told her how much of a queen and how much of royalty that she is. Someone is going to be rejected tonight for the first time and go out looking in a community of someone wanting to define them, running further and further away from the God that has been portrayed to them that they think is mad at them. And I'm looking at a room of people that you are calling to send out and embrace each one of these people that I'm describing. But Jesus, if we go, and if we do not have this oneness with you, then we have nothing. Holy Spirit, I'm I'm amazed at how ineffective I am when I begin to strive in a place out of memory or things that I've seen other people do rather than the secret place of intimacy. The world needs an encounter with you. We are that encounter for people as we lead them to your feet. But if we never spend time lingering long enough at your feet, how will we ever know the pathway to take to actually get there ourselves? Lord, let there be blisters on our knees at the way that we rush to the place of throwing ourselves at your feet, waiting to be on our knees in adoration of you. think of the old praying grandmother who has literal spots on, on, on at the side of her bed in the carpet where she has warred over souls and over her family and over people waiting to come to the Lord. I think of the prayers that have been prayed from revivalists and other moves of God that have actually prayed for us right now in this room to arise and to be the answer to prayer that our city is crying out for. Jesus, give us ears to hear the unspoken cries of people's hearts that we walk by on the street. The person that's on their way to kill themselves, the person that's on their way to destroy their body. Stop us in our tracks to say, here it is, my lost one. Speak now, move now. If you're in here tonight and you came here carrying 
Like, hey, I've, I, I came here needing breakthrough and healing tonight. As we're in this place of the Spirit, hopefully some of you are still in there. Jesus, if they're not, please take them back in. I want you to imagine Jesus is standing right in front of you. And imagine you're clothed in light as he is. As he is, so are we. And imagine King Jesus, the Savior, standing before you, his son and his daughter, and imagine him pointing to the area in your body that you're needing healing. I'm, I'm, I'm actually asking you in your spirit, in your heart to see this right now. Let it be more real than the very shirt on your back, shoes on your feet. Let it be more real than that. And as an act of faith, I'm simply wanting you to see him reach out and touch that area in your body and simply receive what he is offering. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.